Good morning and welcome to Soccer, a Perspective for Parents, where we'll be discussing what the coaches and refs really wish you, the parent, knew about the beautiful game. The goal of this podcast is to bridge the knowledge gap between the parents, that's you, and the coaches and refs. I will attempt to explain the game and rules in a way you can understand. That way, when you're out there watching Timmy, you can just enjoy the game. Okay, so I've changed how my original plan goes for uh, for this. Originally, I was going to go over some rules and stuff that I didn't think people knew, but to help establish the knowledge base, I'm going to start with the laws of the game and just go down the uh, go down the laws after doing. I decided to do this after doing the offsides. If you have any questions, go to the webpage and drop them there. Soccer at perspectiveforparents.com. This is going to be a little different than the first one, the one before this, the offsides. I'm not going to read the laws in this one on these because I don't think I need to because they're simple enough. I can just give you the short form, the short form version of them. In that short form version, I'm just going to pull out uh, what I think is important from each uh, law. And I'm also, uh, to start off, going to cover their intro section and go over what I think is important from there. If you also want to follow along, you can go to the webpage where I'll have the show notes. And at the bottom, it will have the laws of the game link where you can see uh, where you can follow the laws of the game and follow what I'm saying. So. Laws of the game. The information starts on page 11 with the philosophy and spirits of the game. Just basically goes over the purpose of the laws and some other things that are not really important to us. Managing changes to the laws, uh, which is page 14. Goes over how and why they make changes to the game. The future, which is page 15, gives their plan for the upcoming year. They publish these laws of the game every single year, so every year they're going to update what the future looks like, what their future plans are. Then you have a notes on the laws of the game section. Just goes over some information that they think are needed, such as what languages they publish the laws in, whether metric or imperial, or to be the main used. General rule is metric over imperial, and how to apply the laws and a key for the laws. Then they have a section on general modifications. Basically says that football associations can make the mo- can make the modifications they see fit as needed to help the sport in their particular country. They've recently allowed them to make changes, especially when it comes to youth, veterans, disability, and grassroots. They ask that the, that the football associations inform FIFA of the changes before they do it, or if they're going to do it. Then they have a section that gives guidelines for temporary dismissals, or what people call sin bins. Think the, when somebody gets in trouble in hockey, the penalty box, same same concept. Uh, it outlines the rules for how to use temporary dismissals in the game. If you want to explain further, just drop me a notice somewhere and I'll, I'll go into it more. Then they have a section on guidelines for return subs. And it tells you how to apply return subs. In normal play at the higher leagues, once a player subs out, they can't be substituted back in. So like EPL and... and uh, uh, in CONCACAFA and international play, once a player subbed out, they can't sub back in. This explains how to handle it if the league allows it. You usually see this in uh, a lot of youth soccer. Youth soccer allows people to sub in and out, in and out, and uh, arena soccer and stuff like that. When they do sub in, the big thing to know here is that they have to sub in a cool, even if they've been subbed out and are subbing back in, they have to still follow the law, uh, follow the Rules that are established in Law 3. Alright, so Law 1. 
which is the field of play. It goes over everything about how you structure the soccer field, the actual field. Everything here applies to adult fields, although most of it carries over to youth, except for field dimensions and gold dimensions, stuff like that. That is a, a cool, uh, that is established at the football association level for the youth, hence why up uh, above they were talking about FAs can make adjustments at the youth level. So first part, field surface. It can be either a fully natural field or a fully artificial surface. You can't mix the two of them. So you can't have a half artificial and half natural. It has to be completely natural or completely artificial. If it's an artificial turf, it has to meet the standards that FIFA has for its quality. And if it's artificial turf, it also has to be green. You can't get some of these crazy colors like Boise in college has that blue field. You can't have a blue field. You have to have a green field. That's FIFA standard, though. The college standard can be different because college doesn't fall under FIFA. So college may allow other colors as well as high school because neither of those fall under the FIFA umbrella. Okay, so second section, field markings. It tells you what lines are to be on the field and how those lines are to be marked. The fields must be rectangular. They must be marked with continuous lines. The lines can't be dangerous. So this applies in that the lines can be some kind of artificial thing used to mark, but it can't be like a tripping hazard or something like that. The lines are part of what they are marking the boundary of. This is very important because this is a something I see missed a lot when it comes to parents and, and people that just don't understand. What that means is the outer edge of the line, the line is in the field. So the out edge of the line is where the boundary is, not the inner line, not the inner edge of the line. And it also says that only the lines that are in the law are to be marked. If you're using artificial services that have other lines, it's okay as long as they're a different color and they're distinguishable from the soccer lines. So you have to be able to tell which, which ones are which. They can't be the same color. The two long lines are called the touch lines. The two short lines are called the goal lines. So generally the lines that the parents sit on are the touch lines. The goal lines are the lines that the goals are on. The field is cut in half with a line dividing it into two halves. It runs from touch line to touch line. It's also called the halfway line. The center mark is at the midpoint of the halfway line. Then there's a circle marked around the midpoint with a radius of 9.15 meters or 10 yards. This is done because no player can be within 10 yards of a kick. So you mark that circle so the players know where the 10-yard mark is. All measurements are done from the outside of the lines since the lines are considered part of the field or area that the lines are marking. You measure the penalty mark from the back edge or outside edge of the goal line to the center of the mark. You can also have optional marks made at 9.15 meters or 10 yards from the corner arc on the goal line and touch lines. Most people don't mark this, so I wouldn't worry about too much about those marks. All the lines will have the same width of 12 centimeters or 5 inches. The goal lines must have the same width as the goal post and crossbar. If a player makes an unauthorized mark on the field, they get a yellow card on the next stoppage of play. So that's it for the markings on the field. Third part, dimensions. Touchline length is between 90 meters to 120 meters or 100 yards to 130 yards. 
Goal line length is between 45 meters to 90 meters or 50 yards to 100 yards. So basically what we're saying here is the length of the field is 90 meters to 120 meters or 100 yards to 130 yards. And the width of the field is 45 meters to 90 meters or 50 yards to 100 yards, depending on how you measure whether you use metric or imperial. For youth soccer in the U.S., U9, U10, or when they're playing 7v7, is 60 yards by 40 yards. For U11 and U12, which is 9v9, it's 80 yards by 50 yards. For U13 and older, when they all, when everybody's playing 11v11, it's 112 yards by 76 yards. So number four is dimensions for international play. So this is the standards that they have for international play, which pretty much the same as this last one, just they're a little more strict on the fields. The length of the field is the length or the touchline length is 100 meters by 110 meters or 110 yards by 120 yards. The goal line length or the width of the field is 64 meters by 75 meters or 70 yards by 80 yards. All right, so number five, we're going to talk about the goal area, what they call the goal area, what majority of us call the six-yard box. So what you're going to do is you start, me- you start the measurement from the inside of each goal post and go out from there six yards. And you're going to start two lines that go at a right angle from the goal line into the field six yards. And then from there, you're going to join those two lines with a line that runs parallel to the goal line. That box, like I said, is either called the goal area or the six-yard box, depending on who you ask. Number six, what they call the penalty area, what a lot of us call the 18-yard box. Same thing as the goal line. You're going to start from the inside post, from the inside of the goal post, measure out 18 yards. And from there, you're going to draw a line parallel to the goal line going into the field 18 yards. From there, you connect those two lines And that area is your penalty area or your 18-yard box, like lots of us call it. Okay, so in the penalty area, you're going to have a penalty circle mark that's made 11 meters or 12 yards from the midpoint between the two goalposts. Now, the way you get the arc at the top of the penalty area is you start at the penalty mark and you measure 10 yards out from that and you draw that arc. So it's just outside the penalty area. That's not considered part of the penalty area or the... 18-yard box, the reason that is there is because no player can be within 10 yards of a player taking a any kind of kick. So when they're taking a penalty kick, if somebody stands at the top of the box and they don't have that arc, they're within 10 yards and it's against the rules. So that's there to help make sure players aren't within the 10 yards. Seven, corner area. There's a quarter circle by the flag post. This is what they're referring to. That's a radius of a meter or one yard. From the flag post drawn onto the field. Eight flag post. The flag needs to be at least 1.5 meters or five feet high. It cannot have a pointed top and must be placed at each corner of the field. Flag post may be put at the halfway line. Uh, it has to be one meter or one yard out, outside the touch line. Very rarely see these because of just the time it takes to put up and stuff like that. Nine technical area. The technical area really applies to stadiums that have sitting areas for team officials, substitutes, and substitute players. You're not really going to see it in youth games, so we won't dig too deep into it. If you watch a pro game, it's the box marked around where the players and coaches are sitting. The big thing to know about this is only one person can be in that area at 
anytime giving instructions to the players, and they must remain in the confines in the box unless a cer- unless a special circumstance comes up, so like, comes up like they're assessing an injured player or the ref gives them permission to exit. Number 10, the goals. Placed in the center of the goal line, they consist of two vertical posts equal distance from the flag post with a horizontal bar connecting the two posts. So just a rectangle at the center of the field, equal distance, and uh, the two posts, the two vertical posts need to be equal distance from each flag post. It must be made of approved material and not dangerous. Both goals must have the same shape post, so you can't have a square goal on one side and a goal with round post on the other side. They have to both have the same type of uh, post on both sides. The distance between the two posts are 7.3 meters or 8 yards, and the distance from the lower edge of the crossbar to the ground is 2.44 meters or 8 feet. Once again, that's for adult play. I will go into youth in in a second here. They must be white and have the same dimensions. You can't have two... You can't have a po- goal post. You can't have a goal that's different colors and uh, outside of white, and you can't have them be two different dimensions. They have to be matching matching goals. If a crossbar breaks, play has to stop until you fix the post. If you can't fix the po- uh, if you can't fix the crossbar, then the match is ended. You can't use a flexible materi- material to replace it either. It can't be a rope or some tape or something like that. It has to be another solid ridge, uh, rigid thing to replace that crossbar. Nets may be attached to the goal and the ground behind. They must be supported and not interfere with the goalie. The goals must be secured to the ground firmly, so they, they have to be staked in, basically. Youth goal sizes uh, for the U.S., U9 to U10, so when they're playing 7v7, 6.5 feet by 8.5 feet. U11 to U12, when they're, not, um, when they're playing 9v9, 7 feet by 24 feet. And of course, U13, when they're 11v11, 8 feet by 24 feet, or they're, or they're just using regulation goals by that point. Number 11, goal line tech. Not going to see it really in youth soccer, so we're just going to kind of skip over it. Just so you know, goal line tech is currently only used for whether or not a goal is scored. That's the only time you see goal line tech. Commercial advertising, once again, doesn't apply to use soccer, so we'll skip it. Number 13 is logos and emblems. Same thing. And number 14 is VAR, which is video assistant referee, which helps make calls and stuff like that. Once again, use soccer. Not going to see it. If you want any more of those explained upon, expanded upon, Drop me something on the, either send me your email, drop something on the webpage, and we'll talk about it some more. Okay, now we move on to law two, which is the ball. Number one, qualities and measurements. It must be spherical, suitable material. The circumference of the ball is either 68 centimeters to 70 centimeters or 27 inches to 28 inches. The ball must weigh 410 grams to 450 grams or 14 to 16 ounces at the start of the match. And it must have a pressure of 0.6 to 1.1 atmosphere, or that is 600 to 1100 grams per centimeter squared at sea level, or 8.5 pounds per square inch to 15.6 pounds per square inch. This also applies, once again, this also applies to adult league. I'm not going to go into uh, 
the U size balls in the US for some reason I had trouble finding them. Um but it's you know, you look on the ball looking for size four and size five. I don't think maybe the youth youth, the young young like sub seven used a size three, but I think uh uh eight nine year olds use a size eight and I think everything up from ten use a size five, but you can ask around. Usually, the coach will let you know. Placement of uh, number two: replacement of a defective ball. If the ball must be replaced, play is stopped. The ball is replaced, and it's restarted with a drop ball. If it is defective during a kickoff, goal kick, corner kick, free kick, penalty kick, or throw in, it is retaken. If it is defective during a penalty kick, as it moves forward and before it touches a player, crossbar, or goalpost, the kick is retaken. So if it becomes defective, like you kick it and the ball starts moving forward and then it doesn't hit anything, like like it doesn't touch a player or anything, then you retake the kick. If it hits something and then becomes defective, you do not retake the kick. Any ball change must be approved by the referee. So you can't just grab a ball, any ball, and throw it out there. The referee has to check it before you can use it. Additional balls. Any extra balls that are going to be used during the match must meet the standards of Law 2, and the referee controls their use. So generally, what a ref will do is pre-match. This is one of the things referees are supposed to do pre-match. Gather up a group of balls, take the ball to the, you know, take the balls, check the balls, and then set them right there at the center of the field so that uh, he can, if he needs a new one, he can run over, grab it real quick, and use it. Sometimes the referees will just, if they run out of the extra balls there in the middle, they'll take a ball from a coach. The coach gives it to them. Uh, hey, this looks good. You know, do some, uh, do some checks on it. One of my favorite checks was hold it up over your head and drop it and make sure it's pumped up enough. And if you deem the ball good, you throw it out into the field and they play with it. But that's all I have for the laws right now. Uh, next one, we'll probably be going all over laws three and four. And we'll see what we get from that. Don't forget, I have a webpage up and running, soccerperspectiveforparents.com. Check it out. We'll have some conversations there. Uh, check me out on Twitter, uh, same name. Also, check out the Facebook page I have made. That's as well the same name. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember that the kids are out there for fun, and let's have a good day.